Hello, Super Ninfrendos, and welcome to a pre-Gamescom edition of Nintendo Voice Chat. I'm your host, Seth Macy. Joining me today is, of course, industry legend Kat Bailey. Hello, Seth. How you doing? I'm doing wonderfully well, thank you. Uh, my translator for Gamescom, Per Schneider. Einen schönen guten Tag, Herr Macy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and, of course, uh, streaming superstar and uh, legend himself, <laughs> back on Nintendo Voice Chat for the first time in a few Ooh. months, Zach Ryan. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. It's nice to see you guys, even even Pear. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Especially boy. Pear. Oh, man. Well, we're starting right into it. There are some Nintendo headlines that have happened this week, in case you haven't been paying attention. Kirby's Dream Buffet is out now. Our review is currently in progress. We'll get to that a little more in the What We've Been Playing segment. The Pokemon Championships have taken over London. No one can get into London now because everyone wants Pokemon stuff. The tube is clogged. The borders are closed. You can't walk your perambulator <laughs> down the pavement without bumping into a, a beef eater clad Pikachu. So unfortunately, uh, if you're trying to get into London, no, no dice. Uh, apparently at one point, Nintendo was working on a platform agnostic controller. So hmm. basically a, just a Nintendo controller that worked on everything. Um, the sort of the, the subject of this week's show is should Nintendo, and I think should Nintendo keep doing that? Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love a, a Nintendo controller that works with everything. High quality stuff. Uh, now we're going to bring it down a little bit because a report came out, reported from uh, Kotaku about uh, a climate of sexual harassment at uh, some of Nintendo's testing facilities, uh, particularly the ones that are staffed by a contractor called Aerotech. Um, apparently, there was an employee in a Teams chat room, which is what Microsoft's equivalent of Slack is, uh, allegedly being pretty gross and inappropriate. And the person uh, who's the subject of the story reported it and did not get the, um, the action that they believed should have happened. And uh, the, I think the big thing here is that uh, it backs up Kat's report of how maybe working at Nintendo isn't quite the dream factory that we all thought it was if you're a contractor, because that is, that's the big crux of this. The, the person uh, in the report was a contractor while the, uh, the kind of alleged creepy guy, apparently a full-time Nintendo employee. But, but Kat, you looked into the unpleasantness that some people experience uh, working as a contractor at Nintendo. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, if you go and read my my previous report, there was a lot of conversations about how contractors in general were treated as uh, second-class citizens, I want to say. And um, also the, uh, the, the product testing facility was specifically highlighted at various points. Uh, Kotaku's article is quite detailed in what it, it describes. Um, in general, not only does it talk about you know inappropriate jokes being made in chat rooms, um, there's just this kind of a general climate of women and uh, queer individuals um, feeling unwelcome um, in these in these spaces, feeling like they don't have an opportunity to advance. Um, Kotaku calls out. Uh, someone specifically, actually, who was the head of uh, one of the product testing areas. Um, and it feels kind of systemic 
throughout the entirety of it. So I think to me, maybe it speaks to a larger culture problem happening at Nintendo of America over the past several years. Not It's not a recent phenomenon. Uh, Kotaku talked to people who have worked at Nintendo over a long period of time. So uh, this goes back a while. Um, Doug Bowser replied and said that Nintendo is uh, actively investigating it and, you know, put out the usual comments about how you should reach out to HR and this is intended to be a welcoming yeah. space. But um, Nintendo is currently facing uh, two labor complaints um, from contractors. And uh, the general sense I get is that maybe the heat's being turned up a little bit on them. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, before you go into the comments, I suggest that you actually read the entire report and, uh, you know, so that you are well informed when you come into the comments to say something not <laughs> well informed. But yeah, definitely not a good look. And I already know, like, the comments are, well, this was a contractor. But the difference is that this contractor was having a problem with a full time Nintendo employee. And, you know, it doesn't sound like it was handled very well, gracefully. Even if you're a contractor, maybe you should be able to feel kind of, you know, not be Oh, I'm just I'm just getting like out this. ahead. Yeah. I'm just getting out ahead of the comments because I know that's what people are going to say. Like you're a contractor, sure. you know what you're getting into. Um and yeah, that is true. You know what you're getting into, but that doesn't mean you don't deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. I mean, it's just the little things, you know, <laughs> like being treated like a human being. People generally <laughs> tend to enjoy uh that sort of thing, but you know what you're getting into is never a good angle. It's you shouldn't be getting into. Oh, okay. Like, that obviously that's, that's <laughs> I, yep. I, let me rephrase that. Um, <laughs> if you're working as a contractor, I don't know how to rephrase it. I've, I've completely ruined it. And now that, that, that's no, sad. no, you, I get what you're saying. It's that people say, well, as a contractor, you, you may not have the same experience as a full-time employee not the same protections, not the, but like the, in the end it's, it shouldn't matter. Right. Like right. People should be treated with dignity no matter how long their tenure or what their relationship. And like, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, the report sort of, um, it touched on something that was that cat you reported on as well, where, there is a feeling among contractors that like, oh, if, you know, I've been here for so long. When am I going to be elevated to a full-time status? And it seems like that just doesn't doesn't seem to happen uh, very often for contractors working for uh, one of the firms under Nintendo. I don't know. It's extremely complicated. And I know m there's a lot of uh, corporate politics at play here, or I don't know that. I imagine. I Man, I, this is why I was I'm not a lawyer. This is why I host a <laughs> podcast about Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, it's an awkward uh, it's an awkward topic to talk about because yeah. I, I think we're all, you know, Nintendo fans here and we all enjoy playing Nintendo games and that kind of thing. And Nintendo in particular has always kind of set itself as this dream factory, almost something like Disneyland. You were using the term dream factory, Seth. So when the maybe the facade comes off a little bit, it's it's kind of difficult to discuss even in a way that it's not with um, other, other companies and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, Nintendo is a corporation, a very old school uh, corporation. Actually, when I was doing my story a few months ago, one of the things I kind of wanted to do was to be like, okay, but also let's strip away a little bit of the legend. Let's like actually yeah. talk kind of seriously and kind of frankly about what Nintendo is all about. And I'm not saying that Nintendo is rotten to the core 
uh, far from it. But I do think that Nintendo of America in particular needs to do um, some soul searching about how um, product, uh, how people who are at the lowest rung are being treated and how they feel and everything. And I think that stories like uh, Kotaku kind of shined a light on that. Yeah. And I agree. I think it's important that if we're going to love Nintendo, we have, you know, in these stories surface, we do need to pay attention to them because do we ultimately want to find out that this company that we all love and enjoyed our whole lives, you know, isn't that great. I mean, I'm not saying it's like a Jimmy Savile sort of situation, but uh, I'm not, I'm saying that we should say it ain't so mister say it ain't so. <laughs> I don't know what any of that is. Oh, I don't either. <laughs> don't I mean just go watch the documentary about Jimmy Savile on Netflix. It's a bad oh, comparison. Okay. Right. Oh, I know I actually know what you're talking about. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but basically like shining a light on this because because we want Nintendo to be the dream factory. You know, I I personally want Nintendo to do the right thing. I don't want to find out that Nintendo has this culture that's been brewing under the surface that people perhaps haven't said anything about because they are working their dream job. Like I got a job at Nintendo. Yes, I'm a contractor, but it's so wonderful because I'm finally working at Nintendo. I don't mind that it's maybe not the greatest thing in the world. So to me, it's important that people speak out uh, when they feel that they're being treated unfairly or poorly. So yeah, I, uh, that's kind of a common thing. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that it's kind of a common thing for a lot of these contractors to come in and say that they felt the same way, that they were Nintendo fans going into this. And they were like, oh, wow, okay. Um, I mean, I still like the games, I guess, but uh, it's kind of eye-opening. Sorry, what were you going to say? I, I don't think it's particularly complicated or awkward at all. I think if you're in a position of power, you just don't abuse it. And I think that that's what is happening here, right? Like if you're a contractor, like regardless of whether or not, like you're still an employee, you still work for that company, you still have the same rights as any other employee. Well, by and large, right? Um, so I think it's it's not necessarily a complicated situation outside of the fact that people got hurt. Um, and I think that it's not a secret that game development is exploitive. Like... <laughs> Look at all these reports. Like if you read Schreier's book from uh, last year, right? Like this kind of stuff, regardless of abuse, like it's just rampant, right? Like, like the, the abuse is bad, but then there's also just the, the crunch and the amount of hours that people have to work to get a game out the door and the, the turnover and the, the you know, entire studio is getting laid off. Like it's time, it's not only time for uh, a real wake-up call for Nintendo. Like I think the industry at large really needs to take a look at how they treat people that work there because... People are so desperate to get into this industry, they'll withstand some of this sort of abuse, right? Like we see it across many different facets of gaming where it's like, I'll come in and work for $40,000 a year and do this thing, or I'll come in and, and work, you know, 14, 15 hours a day to get this stuff done. And like, it's not sustainable and it's not okay. And this kind of stuff happens probably way, way more than is reported about. And yes, it sucks that it's Nintendo, but it's a games industry at large issue. Yeah, that's, well uh, that's an awesome point. And unfortunately, we have to take a break right there. Um, but we will be back in just a moment. We are back. This is Nintendo Voice Chat. We are talking about a much more serious subject uh, than, than we normally do. Um, Kat, do you have any final thoughts about this this report or the industry as a whole or you know, echoing off of what Zach had said earlier? These reports are grim, but I think they are also very necessary and if it gets Nintendo to take action, then good. Yeah, I agree 100%.
take action because it's good. What, what I have no smooth transition. What an interesting episode to come back on, guys. I know. I, <laughs> the thing is, it's like, it's, you know, a very heavy story. And then the next subject is you could ride a dolphin on yeah. Wave Race 64. <laughs> so I, I apologize for the very, very bad uh, segue there. But um, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, we want Nintendo to keep doing good. And we want to believe that Nintendo is good. And more than believe, we want to know that Nintendo is good. And the whole games industry, the- honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah, I, don't, is... I don't care about Sony. Come on. <laughs> Who cares about the rest of the games industry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even play my PlayStation 5. That's not true. What? I didn't really? make people angry about that. But I mean, yeah. I have no way to wrap this up that's that's elegant at all. So please forgive me. But Wave Race 64 is coming. <laughs> <laughs> to Nintendo Switch Online. Oh, no. Pear, I know that you have been... <laughs> Wanting this for a very long time, I have been wanting it as well since they first announced uh, the Nintendo Switch Online expansion with Nintendo 64. So, yeah, there it is. Okay. One one of the congratulations. Okay. Absolutely Uh, one of the best games for Nintendo 64. This was, this was, this was one of those games when it came out and you played it there by the way there are a lot of people who don't like it because it what? is difficult oh, it is difficult get good and you know but it, you know and it, it is there's this kind of element of you know waves can be random and like it can knock you off your course and it can be very frustrating if you miss a buoy that said when i played this i'm like oh my god the world of polygons is so wonderful. Think of all the things people can do with racing games now. Nintendo has shown us what water can do to racing. This is a new future. And then nobody ever made a game like that again. Well, except for Blue Storm, right? Where NST did a pretty damn good job recreating that that feel. But like all of the other wave racing and jet ski wave runner games did not feel like this. No. This is the only one where the waves have this sort of this momentum where it feels like it's difficult to go underwater, to go under an obstacle, where the waves like really kind of change. Everything else felt like, yeah, it's bumpy terrain, but it's see-through. And like this, to me, this game was always so special. Now, yeah. it's going to be difficult to go back to it because it is a little difficult, but also because it's a little choppy, right? Like we are used to smoother frame rates. It's letterboxed. What you're seeing here now is actually the game in order to get it to run at a decent clip was letterboxed. You, you've seen that with older games like Star Fox and Stunt Race FX as well. But like, you know, treat it as a an amazing game from the past that is still very, very playable, but it's going to take some effort to get back into it. Yeah, I, I agree. Zach, are you a, a Wave Race aficionado? I've never played this game before. What? The I know, oh I know, God. it's sacrilege, but I so I I came to the Nintendo sixty four a little bit later. Um, okay. This is a, a game that was released much closer to launch. Maybe it was a launch game. I don't quite remember, but I think it's um, launch window. Yeah, launch, uh, launch window. Yeah, launch ish, <laughs> launch adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I missed this game. I never played it. Um, I did play uh, Wave Race on GameCube. Um, okay. Which was yeah. called, which was that one called like Blue, Blue Storm? Storm? Yeah, okay. Blue Storm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never played Wave Race sixty four. Um, doesn't really seem like something that I would be interested in playing at this day. Excuse and age, me, there's a there's a oh, man riding a dolphin? a dolphin into the sunset. I do, I do see the dolphin. That's pretty. That's pretty extreme with like two X's. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I just uh, limited bandwidth. 
for a lot of games these days and revisiting a you know 20 plus year old game like this i just don't know if that's for me but it's, i'm glad it's that people cool, are excited i know you wish a, that it was f-zero pair but it's close no and look i actually you we've gotten more f-zero games over the years uh than wave race games mm. and we did get a little bit of f-zero in inside you know mario kart and nintendo land and it's been it's been a long time since we've heard Star anything Fox about wave race there was a, there was a yeah there was a game boy game as well right so it's it's we have gotten you know Nintendo has done multiple wave race games, but it's never been a core franchise and even less so than F-Zero. Mm. I will say, like, if you have an hour to play it, Zach, you will find some amazing um, stage design in this game because, like, the water levels change on, you know, in some of the stages. Like, it, it doesn't have the widest range of tracks, but when you go back to the tracks, they change. And so you will have a track where when the water level is high, you can take different shortcuts than when it's low. Like when it's low, you can go under a, you know, under a pier or something, or you can dive under an obstacle to take a shortcut. And then, you know, the, there's a calm lake level, which is like, you know, really kind of beautiful, beautiful and pristine and calm. And like one version is foggy and then the fog burns off as you proceed, as you, uh, you know, uh, when you're on lap three, it looks different than on lap one. It's just a an incredibly creative game that is the product of Nintendo being able to play around with polygons and doing things that just couldn't be done with Mode 7. They really asked the question, what does 3D let us do that that Mode 7 didn't? And this is one of those products, you know, just like F-Zero's pipes in F-Zero X. It just couldn't be done before. It's awesome. Some would yeah. say that um, most N64 games are foggy, but... <laughs> and this, this one uses effect. the fog for the alpha channeling for effect, which is a, a big difference. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I will say that when Wave Race first came out, it was a technical showcase on the Nintendo 64. Yes. It was gorgeous. We had never seen anything like it before, especially those crazy, the, the wave physics and everything. I was like, oh my God, yes. This is what 3D can be. This is amazing. Yeah. So, I remember in the magazines at the time, so much was written about wave physics. There's a dearth yep. of wave physics journalism these days, but back in what this came out '96, every magazine had a, a section about realistic wave physics that you could only find in the Nintendo 64 and Wave and, Race. And what what you know with modern game engines, a lot of things come for free nowadays, or you know at, at least with with lower impact. What Nintendo did there, you know, it's it's not just the wave physics and the the weather of the level. It's um, you know opponents do leave wakes wakes as well, which are you know computed in real time. But the N sixty four did not like doing transparencies, right? Transparencies came at a high cost. The moment you have a see-through surface of any kind, it's going to take a hit. And for somebody <laughs> to design a game around the concept of everything is water, it's just it's pretty nuts and remarkable to look back on it. So it it was a technical showcase, and it took a lot of work, and it took a lot of really bright minds to make that game. Absolutely. This reminds me of what a different time it was for Nintendo back when they were making games like 1080 Avalanche. Oh, so Wave Race. Yeah. The kind of games you just do not make anymore. I did no. play a lot of 1080. A lot of t- those were the sort of games, Wave Race and 1080, mm-hmm. and probably like Excite Truck. Those are the kind of games an where. Excite Bike, too. Yeah, an Excite Bike, which I have sitting right over there. Um, Pilot Wings. Oh, my God. Those were where you would play 
you know, and a group of friends would just watch you play. It's like the early yeah. streaming. It's in-person streaming, except for everyone's behind you and they're <laughs> watching they're you play. Now? In-person yeah. streaming? In-person streaming. It's IRL streaming, yeah. Yep. It's, it's pretty amazing. But with that, we have to stream a break. So we'll be right back to talk more. Yeah. Time. All right, we are back and we are going to talk about the main subject of this week's episode. This is a subject that Kat came up with. In fact, all the good subjects are Kat's and I just write them down. Uh, I'm a glorified stenographer, essentially. But our topic for this week, and we put this out to the community, should Nintendo blank? And we got some pretty good questions from the Facebook group. A lot of jokey answers, um, Mm -hmm. which is fine because I'm a bit of a prankster myself and I don't mind a, a good belly laugh now and then. But uh, this is the, the biggest one right here that I think will generate the most conversation among the panel. James Christopher Old says, should Nintendo hold off releasing Breath of the Wild 2 and Prime 4 until next gen? And I am going to say, heavy speculation here, I think that they actually are. That they actually what? I think they actually are. I think that... Hmm. I think that we're going to get either a more powerful Switch or a successor in March of 2023. And and that's why Breath of the Wild 2 was pushed back. Games like Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart, Pokemon, to me, those those are the system sellers and showcases. And I think it would be a mistake to limit Breath of the Wild 2 to a, you know, as an upsell to the next platform. Now, Nintendo has done this before, right? Twilight Princess and, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild, notably, where all day and date releases on on two platforms. And so they they could be doing something like that. Where That's what I'm thinking. Where it becomes a showcase for upgraded hardware. But I think Metroid Prime is a much better idea there because the Prime games were always graphical showcases and they also had a more limited audience. And so having that extra selling point of oh my god look at these amazing graphics you need this new system this new system could be could be a nice you know could be a nice additional thing for metroid to to make it stand out a little bit but i mean personally i i, I just want breath of the wild as soon as possible and yes. i have not seen any indication that they're upgrading this hardware anytime soon so no please don't hold off give okay me, give me. nintendo should not that's a should not from pair. Uh, Zach, I know you're a big uh, Metroid guy. You like to roll, roll Samus up in a ball and, and go exploring pipes. I do. So tell me, should Nintendo just, I mean, it's what well, we got the, uh, the, 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 the one, <laughs> the logo reveal trailer was, that was like switch first year E3, right? Yeah. We haven't seen anything yeah. since 2017. That, that was shut up about Metroid already. And you see, Dude, like when they show, I'm still hyped. That's the most hyped I've ever been for the number four in my entire life. But uh, what do you think? Should should Nintendo just hold off? I don't know. Um, Like Pear said, I don't really, I don't really anticipate that there's like new hardware coming down. First of all, like the Switch is selling so well, Mm -hmm. they don't really need to jump to this next generation. And I think if you look at the precedent set by you know Xbox and PlayStation. Their cross-gen efforts, like look at even God of War is going to be on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Even Horizon was on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. I think that they're missing out. They would be missing out by by holding the games for new next-gen hardware. 
I think what they would probably behoove them to do would be to release the games when they're ready to be released on the hardware that makes the most sense for them, right? So like if the game is done and developed for the Switch, so put Breath of the Wild out on the Switch, and then when the Switch 2 or whatever is released, then you get the definitive version. And it would be even better if it was a free upgrade. You know what I mean? Like I think Mm. that that's a, a way better course of action than holding out, especially when Nintendo has has made the age-old mistake of announcing games way too early. Like, both of these games mm-hmm. are announced way too early. Yeah. Um, that doesn't diminish, you know, my desire to play them, either uh, either of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, Metroid Prime 4 is a logo. I'm not convinced that game exists, <laughs> you know? like it, You know it, what's it terrifying yeah. is that I just saw a, a job listing for a, a Metroid Prime logo designer oh no so they had to go all the way back damn back to square one <laughs> back to square that one not true. that is not true i made that up that, made that is up. a joke no but they did hire you know lead roles pretty late in the process yeah. but that could also mean replacing i was gonna uh, say that could be turnover or, right that could know. be backfill so, that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that they're starting from scratch yeah. i'm sh- i'm sure there's a pretty nice game running at retro studios already because like oh they made God. three metroid games it's not like they never sat down and, and dreamed about what could come next right like that is a company that has always thought about how to continue metroid so they certainly didn't start from scratch and you know who knows whether they were able to use anything from the other developer was a name called bandai or whoever uh, was working on it yeah. and um, I, w- I will say though i think microsoft has done a really nice job kind of like nudging the console world into the concept of you get a game now and then when your hardware is more powerful maybe it'll run at 60 or maybe yeah. there are new um, options like ray tracing and nintendo has traditionally not not done that sort of stuff right like we we are not getting wave rays running at 60 frames per second we are getting it upscaled it is sharper looking and uh, you know a lot of the emulated games are are looking nicer on the switch obviously um but that would be nice if nintendo did this thing where like when the new hardware comes out it's like here's your patch for the original breath of the wild now running at 60 frames per second and it does get people to go back and you know i've seen this with games like horizon on the playstation um yeah. or ghost of tsushima it is really really cool oh, man, to get the so benefit good. of the the additional hardware oomph on your games that you already own yeah preferably for free which is not something Nintendo does very often. Also no. true. Nintendo is yeah. at least five years behind everybody at all times. That means what we won't be getting the HD remaster and sixty or one hundred and twenty FPS for in, until twenty thirty or so. Uh, so they don't care about uh, one hundred twenty FPS, uh, and I, no. I will say I think it's because it's not a thing in Japan, right? Like right. The, it's it's nintendo is a very japanese company much much more so than sony which has all these american studios making games and really pushing towards that kind of you know that that hardware high and wanting to support the latest tv displays which sony makes right right so yeah you're right cat i think i i think 120 frames per second is something nintendo will never talk about until it is just the standard in every living room but i think 4k you know, and 60, ah, that's, 4K that's closer. Uh, 2030. No, hold Everyone. on, I didn't say 4K and 60 at the same time uh, for Nintendo, okay. but those two terms... So nobody can live at that speed. Frame rate yeah. beats resolution human brain. <laughs> Go ahead. As Nintendo's just figuring out 1080p here. No, <laughs> I, uh, I think Nintendo does have... I don't know what Nintendo's doing. Um, there have been so many rumors of uh, Switch Pro, uh, improved consoles, 4K, etc. Meanwhile, 
as Zach so rightly pointed out, did you know that the Nintendo Switch is about to surpass the PS4 in terms of total sales? Bonkers. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And Nintendo must like look at it and be like, oh, look at the kind of games that are coming out of mobile, whatever. Yeah. You can just keep rolling with this. It's kind of like what the the cat take was. the beat of ago. its own drum, but but Nintendo, you know, we we sometimes don't give Nintendo too much credit, uh, not not enough credit when it comes to visuals, right? And th- some of Nintendo's first party games are absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. and you know those developers are passionate about wanting to push the envelope as uh, more, and and are asking for you know more hardware power. So I, I you know I don't think they're oblivious to it. I think it was. I remember we once interviewed Mark Rain from Epic um, about Nintendo, and and he made this point. He's like, people keep on pretending like Nintendo is gameplay and gameplay only, and ignoring like how good Super Mario sixty four looked when it first came out, yeah. or how that good was a different that was a different era, Harry. I don't that. I, that was the Yamauchi era. That was when they were trying to be a, a, a high powered console. They changed. They changed yeah. in two thousand seven. No, I th- but I don't I think, think that they've ever lacked an integrity in artistic design and, and like art direction, right? Like their first party games, I think what Pear is saying is like their first party games still prioritize why, why they might not be the most graphical powerhouses. Like even take a look at the game like Luigi's Mansion, that's a gorgeous game, despite yeah. the fact that it's not, you know, an Xbox Series X exclusive or something. It's an right? amazing art direction. Mm-hmm. Mario Mario Galaxy, when you go back, it is an incredibly good looking game running on last generation hardware and two like, generations ago. I yeah. I bet I bet yeah, I bet you would have a hard time finding a third party doing anything like it on that hardware at the time, you know? Yeah. Um and that's when when we talk about the best looking games on the Switch, like Mario Odyssey's desert level is ridiculously pretty. It's yeah. so pretty. You know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 looks really good too. Very it's good looking game. game. Doesn't always well, run great. On the a... small screen, it looks really, really good. I have yeah. to say that too. Yeah. I haven't seen too many uh I haven't seen too many frame rate dips on Xenoblade Chronicles 3, actually. Yeah, but I mean to its credit, they're they're pretty um when they do happen, it's like it's not it doesn't grind everything to a halt. Mm-hmm. It's not like um Hyrule Warriors or anything like that. <laughs> but uh yeah, I did I threw some shade. What there. else you got? What? Huh? Who? I what just want- was that the only question? No, there's plenty more questions, but unfortunately we have to take a break and then we'll come back to another question. So we'll be right back. And we are back and we're answering the question, should Nintendo blank? And this actually, uh, Kat, you briefly touched on sort of the subject of this question from Sam Roberts. Should Nintendo ever go back to a two- pillar strategy and for those who are unfamiliar this is uh they always had a handheld and they all well i shouldn't say they always um since the introduction of the game boy they had a dedicated home console and a dedicated handheld console and that was nintendo's two pillar strategy that lasted all the way up until the nintendo switch at which point they had a three pillar strategy um and then they pretended that the wii u and the 3ds didn't exist at all and now they're all in on Nintendo Switch. So, Kat, should Nintendo return to the two-pillar strategy? Um, no. <laughs> because <laughs> That's it. Good night. Well, there it is. Uh, next question. <laughs> I, I think that would require Nintendo to make a home console. Okay, first of all, I think home consoles as we know them are changing dramatically. So, 
over time, we're just going to have more and more games living on the cloud. We're going to be seeing dedicated consoles as we know them become less and less common. And I think Nintendo is a long, long way from the days when it was putting out the GameCube, say, and trying to compete on an equal footing. I, I don't know that it really makes a lot of sense for Nintendo to, for example, release a dedicated handheld. I, I think the Switch Lite actually disappointed in terms of uh, sales, ultimately. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know that it makes sense for them to go back to a dedicated handheld, but then also a more powerful console. Um, they found a really good solution a very popular solution with the hybrid approach, because even if people say, oh, I only ever play handheld or I only ever play on the TV, people like having the option. They like being able to choose exactly. which one they're going to be able to do. So yeah, barring a complete total change, um, I just don't see it. Okay. Zach, should I'm Nintendo return to a two-pillar strategy? This is a classic if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it, like, you know, this goes back to what I said earlier. Like they're selling so many Switch units, they clearly don't need that that second pillar, right? And I think that Switch is handheld enough. Like how many times have we talked about it <laughs> on this show where people like our dear departed friend Andrew Goldfarb or Brian Altano have said things Wait, like Goldfarb I, died? No, he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. But like, you know, they, they say things like, I only ever play in handheld. Like, I never put yeah. my Switch on TV. Like, a lot of people treat their Switch as a handheld device anyway. So I think Nintendo, I think it's very smart that they've they've managed to corner both markets with one device. And, you know, like Kat said, it's about to outsell the PlayStation 4, so they're clearly onto something. I think it's like 50-50, actually. Like, mm. there are 50% of people who are only on TV, and they're like 50% mm -hmm. of people are only handheld. <laughs> and therein lie the two pillars, you know? <laughs> I'll be... I'll be a contrarian, and right. I want a two-pillar strategy, but not the way it's been. I really like the concept of a console that you play at home, and you take with you, with you, and I like I. I would not want Nintendo to split this up again because what happened is that sometimes you'd get lots of awesome games for your DS and no great games for your GameCube and so forth, right? Like that split, especially because Nintendo was the the biggest and best developer for its own systems meant that sometimes we didn't get something on one machine while while the other one was was well served and i don't want to go back to that i like this much better but i do like it, i do like it when nintendo experiments and like i thought the nes classic uh the mini was a start of a two pillar strategy and then it kind of died too early. We got the Super NES and, you know, we, we get the occasional little Game & Watch special edition. But I love maybe, I love that there could be another pillar that is a more disposable device or a more, you know, a cheaper line of uh, gaming devices that Nintendo has on the side. I would love to see that as an additional pillar. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at as well. I, I don't think that we'll ever go back to a dedicated handheld and a dedicated um, home console. Like, no way. like Kat said, mm -hmm. people like the freedom of choice. Devo wrote a song about a great song about freedom uh -huh. of choice because I have, that's a, how I have a controversial take. Okay. Maybe, maybe the, maybe the second pillar is the iPad. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. See, that's kind of where I was going was that, yeah, I think we can have whatever the next Nintendo system is. That's a hybrid, but also like a, like a, cloud streaming sort of I'm not uh, even saying option. cloud streaming I'm just saying straight up download Nintendo games on an iPad play them mm. there because um, 
I, I think that iPad and being able to play games across multiple platforms has just become very common. Look at a game like Genshin Impact, for example. And Nintendo hasn't had a lot of success with mobile games, but maybe making a stripped down version of Mario Super Mario Brothers or something isn't the answer. Mm-hmm. Maybe just making your games available on iPad, maybe that's the, the way forward. Or... Or Nintendo Online is the second pillar and it's Play Anywhere, right? That like, would uh, be people would very love cool. to play their, their NES and Super NES games on more devices. And I mean, they do all the time. Shh. And maybe Nintendo wants to make some money from that. I think Nintendo uh, the listens other, to this show. So. The, other thing, the other thing about the games business is that, you know, even though VR may seem like niche, you know, once the display technology and AR be, come to the forefront and get more affordable, it'll become attractive to Nintendo in some fashion. And so yeah. there might be a concept around, you know, AR experiences in the future that they might be looking into. Yeah. I, VR, not great now, but uh, uh, I enjoy VR quite a bit. I don't enjoy having a big... Seth, have, yeah. you, tried the Meta, have you tried the MetaQuest 2? Uh, my, I have not because both of my sons have one each because mm-hmm. I'm the best dad ever, obviously. Wow. And uh, I don't... I don't get to see either one of them. They just go They're, and play games. I, I think the the the, the wireless uh, headsets are actually pretty dope. Yeah, I love the Quest too, but it is not a comfortable gaming experience the way mm. I play my Switch. Right, like right. it is a no. more, it is much more appointment gaming and not convenience gaming and all of that. I was, you know, I was playing Switch games on the couch outside, flanked by my dogs yesterday, and like a VR headset, they would, you know, steal my ham sandwich and run away with it. So. <laughs> um, Comically, but yeah. but but there is something really unique to it. And like speaking about Wave Race and how only Nintendo made a game like Wave Race using polygons. What would Nintendo do with with VR, right? Like they on the 3DS, they did some really cool stuff with yeah. AR already before feel, they got bored. You know, I feel like we're forgetting that Nintendo has already tried VR twice. <laughs> it's the true. Virtual Boy, the Labo, and then again when they wanted you to strap your Switch to your face and with the Labo. Yes, so that I think is that they're true. out of that market. You know, they've tried and failed twice, and Nintendo's a company no. that doesn't like to try and fail. So yeah, that's probably it for them in VR. Virtual Virtual Boy was not VR. That was just it's a right there in the name display. pair. It's the yep. Virtual yes. Boy. No, that was just that was a test run for the 3DS. Oh, oh. That's a test run for the 3DS. Fifteen years in advance, huh? Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Nintendo's always yep. looking forward. I think we'll see a Nintendo. I think that might be the next uh, pillar. Will be the Nintendo VR headset in 2038, when you know a VR headset is no bigger than like a sleep mask, and yeah. it's possible to build the technology for like three hundred dollars. I think that'll be yeah. It's a long or way. Or Reggie, away. I think Reggie straight up told Nintendo get out of the hardware business or something like that. So yeah, yeah. You know we all love Reggie, but come on, Reggie. Come on, Nintendo makes the best I stuff. Want them. Yeah, I want them to keep making toys. Come on. Yeah, I love it. I love Nintendo. But the two-pillar strategy, should they go back? I think maybe, but in a completely different way that we can't, none of us are even thinking of yet. I think there's a, there's a, there's a way there for, for Nintendo to support another platform or whatever that might be. Whether it's mining their enormous retro back catalog or something along those lines, but... I think that it's there, but I don't think we're ever going to see that handheld and that home console again. In spite of the fact, what everybody wants, 
but they want that 4K switch. Oh, I want to see Mar. I want to see the pores on Mario's face. I want to see but each imagine, individual whisker in his mustache. But Seth, imagine the deck for uh, the dock for the switch added power. You got boost power. Yes. Like when you dock your switch, your on TV experience is more beautiful, amped up, and all of that. That is a two. Okay. pillar strategy if it's not a requirement for everybody to have that dock right no and i honestly i i for a long time thought that's what the switch pro would be because like nvidia or uh, uh razors and other hardware manufacturers they sell you know it's a the usb3 mm-hmm. uh usbc rather a, a dock that you can drop a uh, a graphics card into and boost like a laptop you know graphically yep. like that and i for a long time thought maybe that's what nintendo was going to do and i think that that is also like a viable solution and i think that's more along the lines of like what xbox we talked about earlier is doing xbox is taking the pc model like you can play your game on on different hardware and just have a better experience with them and it's the same as on a pc like you drop a new graphics card into your pc and you the first thing you do is you open up a game and you crank all the settings oh my god like that with my uh with my microphone there you crank all the settings all the way up and then you know you have to dial it back i think that's where we're going with all video games and i think nintendo could definitely do that just give us a more powerful switch dock or some hacker out there just make one figure it out hackers do your thing so that was a good discussion i think on the two pillar strategy maybe maybe not should nintendo i don't know if it makes sense of course they should Tim Scott wants to know, should Nintendo release GameCube GameCube games on Nintendo Switch online or sell them individually as remakes and remasters instead? Everyone's looking thoughtfully, pensively about this one. I personally would prefer just a GameCube channel like we got an N64 expansion and get those games on there. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't want uh, one game a month? Actually, no, I, they've been doing a really good job with it. N64. Technically they're... harder to do. You can't just straight up emulate them, right? But yeah, um, I would love that. Yeah, I would love it too. Kat, what are your thoughts? I think, I think it would be a great value add if they actually put the GameCube uh, on the Nintendo Switch online expansion pass. Uh, maybe, maybe more so than the N64 and the Sega Genesis because... I think the GameCube has a lot of cachet as a, as a retro experience with a certain age group who owns the Nintendo Switch. And yep. there are a lot of pretty amazing games, like one I'm looking at right now, which is one of my all-time faves, Rogue Leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet Disney would want to release that one. But <laughs> I, I think that Nintendo is more inclined to... <laughs> supposedly, the rumor is that they have Twilight Princess and um, Wind Waker just kind of sitting and waiting to release or something like that um, as a, as a full retail thing. So it seems like that seems like more of the Nintendo play. And I think that's what we're going to get. And it's the not disc actually fell behind the yeah. uh, entertainment center that they have at Nintendo headquarters and nobody's <laughs> been able to, to reach back there. They're waiting for somebody with very long arms. So yeah. Um, Zach, what do you think? I, whatever, is the shortest path to putting <laughs> Wind Waker on the uh, Switch? I'll take it. Like, yep. if it if it's yeah, if they want to f- release it individually, I'll pay for it. If they want to add it to Nintendo Switch Online, I'll pay for it. I just want to play Wind Waker on the go on my Nintendo Switch. Oh it's the God. only thing I want it's, in this life. It's um, a dream. Yeah, I I love it. But as se- selfishly, I purchased a bunch of GameCube games last year, like a bunch of rare 
and the first party GameCube games. And I worry that uh, Nintendo Switch Online adding GameCube games will devalue my collection. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm of two minds, to be well, perfectly frank. <laughs> as, uh, as someone who has been, you know, buying games for their collector value, I can tell you that when games do get ported, uh, they the value does drop. Mm-hmm. But only temporarily, because eventually people sure. are like, "Yeah, but it's better to just have like the physical one; it's cooler." So, yeah. But what I'm about worried. that cool box? Oh, yeah. Okay. I well, did get a lot of cool boxes. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would love Wind Waker HD on the Switch. So oh, I, would yeah. want the, the I mean, yes, remaster. Me too. It's the only. I mean, isn't that the only one that we haven't gotten yet? Is Wind, Wind Waker? Waker? Yeah, like well, we have Twilight Princess Twilight HD. Princess. We haven't gotten yeah, that. Twilight oh. Princess isn't on the Switch. Yeah. But again, it's fell behind that entertainment center. Nobody can get it out without worry. They're worried about scratching it. It would certainly take the sting out of Breath of the Wild 2 not coming out. Not entirely, Mm -hmm. but I bet a a lot of people would love to have Wind Waker on the Switch. Yeah, and it's the same. Especially this guy. What have we been talking about in the Nintendo world forever? The Metroid Prime trilogy that apparently is in the same boat. It's done and it's ready. And they just, for whatever reason, haven't put it out. So mm-hmm. I, I think Nintendo should just Smash Brothers Melee and put that on Switch. Yeah, oh I mean God. that sort of stuff would be really that popular go, too. Oh my gosh, yep. it would go over yep, so yep. well. Yeah, yep. and then we could start Melee discourse all over. Like do a Smash tournament edition that has all of the games. Oh my God! Ooh. Oh my God! Be still my Let's heart. <laughs> I yeah. Um, I think yeah. I'm sort of with Zach. Whatever. I don't care what they do. They should bring Wind Waker. HD to the Nintendo Switch because I love Nintendo or I love Wind Waker so much. It just brings back so many good memories for me. It was a, it was a game that I was sort of a lapsed Nintendo fan and I only bought a GameCube because my original Xbox died yeah. and uh, Game or GameStop was going to give me eighty dollars for it anyway and I was like, ah, screw it. And I got Wind Waker and I was like, this is amazing. And I just played it constantly and I would just sail around and listen to the music and not necessarily do anything, just vibe, just <laughs> on the ocean. Oh, a storm's coming. No big deal. I love it so much. Same with Metroid Prime. Um, sh- Nintendo, should they bring it to NSO or should they bring them as remakes? Yes. Both. There Either way. Yes. And yeah. yes. Exactly. And. <laughs> We Nintendo are we are part of the problem though in this conversation. You know what I mean? Why? When we're saying like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll just give them our money regardless of what they do. Like, yeah, that's okay. Yes, we're saying that, but even if we didn't say it, we would still do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just being honest. With Game accessibility is a good thing. I think <laughs> being able to not have to own a Wii U or a GameCube to be able to play Twilight, Twilight Princess may be a good thing. Yep. Paris tired of this conversation. He had to start playing some video. No, games I had to make sure my I had to make sure my stuff was downloading. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is the big topic of the show. Should Nintendo blank? Um, but now one of the reasons we had Zach on is because obviously we love him and the fans are just cl- clamoring. When is Zach coming back? Oh yeah, when I bet. Oh yeah, I'm the, sure. The hashtag Zach is back was trending this morning on Twitter. Mm-hmm. People were so excited. But Zach you uh, posted on Twitter a story that I actually enjoyed so much. I occasionally revisit it, but I've okay. never heard you tell this story. Yeah. But it is a charming story. Um, this was what, 2016? And yes. uh, a, a certain album by the name of Life of Pablo had just come out. And yeah. please take it from there. So I, I will say that I, I never told this story because I definitely felt like there was a statute of limitations or a timeline in which like, it was kind of unsafe 
to tell this story. And I apologize to all of the IGN crew if this gets anybody into any hot water with Nintendo. But like the reason that I didn't talk about it was because it was a very behind the scenes combo at the time. Um, but yeah, so I went to um, I went to uh, New York in 2016 to play and demo um, Star Fox Zero. Uh, so there was a, it was a very like limited sort of press situation. I went with, um, somebody who used to work at IGN and now works for Nintendo, um, who will remain nameless, but, uh, he and I went out there to, (laughs) to check out Star Fox Zero and like, whatever, that game was fine. The real draw was that part of the, the press thing was that we got to also talk to Miyamoto. Like we sat and played the game with him. He kind of walked us through it. And then afterwards, you know, we did a short Q and A about Star Fox Zero. And uh, so we we did that whole thing. You know, we played the game. We did our interview. I was there to, like, run the camera. And then I'm kind of packing up gear. And we're sitting around just sort of, you know, shooting the breeze with uh, our Nintendo rep and Miyamoto in sort of a post-interview situation. And um, there's a Nintendo rep uh, that is very musically inclined, right? Like a real music nerd and, like, knows that I'm a music nerd. And we've talked about music many, many times when we've met. And... He happened to mention that, you know, oh, hey, have you heard the new Kanye record? Um, because like you said, Seth, Life of Pablo had just dropped. And when he mentioned Kanye, <laughs> Miyamoto like lit up and was like, oh, Kanye. <laughs> and started to tell this story that then our rep was translating that just completely knocked me over because it was just <laughs> such an insane story. So the story goes, the story that Miyamoto told us was that Kanye showed up at the Nintendo booth unannounced in 2015 and, and this sort of demanded, what's that? This was at E3. At E3, yeah, at the Nintendo booth at E3 and sort of <laughs> demanded um, an audience with whoever he wanted to talk to. Like he wanted to talk to Miyamoto, he wanted to talk to Reggie, like he wanted to talk to the, the, the top, you know, Nintendo folks. And I kind of was thinking about it and was like, you know, I do remember that year hearing these rumors of like so-and-so saw Kanye on the floor. Like somebody said Kanye's here. And so I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. Like, um, and so he told us that he told us that Kanye showed up at the Nintendo booth and de- basically demanded a meeting to show them the prototype of his new game that he wanted Nintendo <laughs> to publish. And the game uh, was a game about Kanye's late mother, Donda, flying to heaven set to a soundtrack constructed by Kanye. Oh my God. And so he's talking about this thing and he like he was telling the story like he couldn't believe that it happened you know like he was sort of incredulous about it too and so he tells us this whole thing about like you know the game was very interesting and you know he kind of describes it in his interaction with Kanye and then he he said that it was also very moving which I thought was nice but ultimately I think Nintendo decided to to pass on it but like I was just completely taken aback by this, right? Like the the concept of these two industry legends sort of clashing or meeting with each other to discuss this video game, and then you know Miyamoto being very gracious about it and just being like, "Yeah, it was it was an interesting demo, and like it was very moving." You know, like I don't think that he would come out and just say like, "Oh yeah, it was it was bad," but he was like laughing pretty hard when he was talking about it. You know, like he was like, "Yeah," and then she's flying through the air, like going to heaven. Like it was it was oh pretty God. funny. Um, and then uh, he ended it, and Kanye just really wanted to make a game with Nintendo. And so, like, you know, Miyamoto's talking about, like, that, just, like, how how much Kanye wanted to work with them and stuff. And then he kind of concluded his story. And then he went, 
wow, and gave me two thumbs up. <laughs> Which killed me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for doing a cuss. I, uh, 52 14. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, sorry for doing a swear. I, uh, but yeah, it just knocked me completely over because he was just like so enthusiastic about it. It was so funny. And then, like, I think it was a few weeks later that Kanye announced his mobile game, which is called Only One. And it was that. It was like Donda flying to heaven with his soundtrack. And so, yeah, it was just like very serendipitous. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, yeah, it was just like a really funny story. That's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, like I just, you know, it, it's still baffling to me that this, I was in the right place and it just I had spoken the magic keyword that's the thing, to that's unlock my, like this one of my story, favorite you know, parts like, of your story yeah. is like just mentioning Kanye and Miyamoto like lights <laughs> up like he's like oh my god I have a Kanye story like Miyamoto yeah. of all people as a Kanye yeah it was story. pretty great yeah, yeah. oh man Those, I, wish uh, was, I wish there was more to it but it was it was you know it was See, just but a pretty short story. Zach, Zach, there are a bunch of stories like that where something gets mentioned offhand in an mm -hmm. E3 booth or an interview. Sometimes, you know, the developers or the publishers say, oh, uh, don't put that in. Or yeah. sometimes we don't think it's notable enough and where you're not, you're like, should we write that? Should we break this out? I, I think this is one of those stories where it's like, yeah, there is no, there's no ending to it, right? Like when the story was told to you, it was open-ended. Would they publish it? What would happen? And all of that. Well, I think it was um, pretty clear that they oh, would not. This was, you know, almost a year come and gone. And it was very much yeah. like, yeah, oh, well, I see. It was, he certainly showed a game and we had a meeting about it. You know, like it was yeah, very much one of those. But yeah. I had a couple of moments like I, you know, one moment just popped into my head where it, it people, publishers who, or, or, you know, leaders who are very media trained and usually are very kind of careful with the answers they give sometimes say yeah. too much like that. And then as they progress in the story, they go, well, maybe I should stop, but now nah, I can't now thumbs up, right? Like yeah. talking to, <laughs> talking to Reggie at one E3 and he, you know, he's, he's like, what did you like? Uh, what did you see from the competition you liked? And I'm like, Little Big Planet looks really, really cool. It looks like something you guys would do. He's like, yeah, yeah. We talked to that developer. We looked at that game before it was announced. And yeah, we really thought about it. And, uh, you know, we really, you know, why, why didn't we get it? And he turns around to somebody else from Nintendo. He's like, why did, why don't, why did we publish Little Big Planet? And then they're like mumbling. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's enough. You know, like <laughs> wow. you get these, you get these little, these little snippets sometimes that, that, you know, I don't even remember if we ever told that or not, but like that, um, that surprise us and like kind of reminds you that behind these like carefully organized businesses are sometimes these these kind of like little moments and then big decisions that follow them. I had so, no idea Media Molecule pitched Little Big Planet to Nintendo. Mm -hmm. What a yeah, wild thing! That's really cool to find out. I yeah, that I. And then Nintendo made Mario Maker. Yeah. Oh yeah, they did well, do that. Because <laughs> they really liked the idea, huh? I always, I always wondered, like, if Nintendo had published Little Big Planet, would they have told them to change the feel of the game? I, you know so, what? That's so loose. They would have put a right? Nintendo mascot if, in instead of Sackboy. Oh man, yeah, yeah, that's true. No, that's my one like thing that keeps me from playing. That kept me from playing Little Big Planet was that it just did not feel good to me. It's bad it's physics. It's I just didn't like so Sackboy. I'm anti-Sackboy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think those games are so pretty and so creative mm. and like the creations people make with it. But like the way the characters feel just was never right. But Not good.
the way they yeah. interface with the surfaces. Yeah. Yeah. Platforming yep. is all wrong. They yes. do feel like little sack boys, though. So well, yeah, <laughs> that is true. Um, Kat thankfully talked me out of it, but I was going to headline this episode, uh, Kanye's Dream Buffet. But um, it's it's too short. It's too, it's too short a story to, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, no one would click on that. That's so, maybe but, true also. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, but speaking of Kirby's Dream Buffet, it's time to talk about what we have been playing. And this morning, I didn't have very much time. I played Kirby's Dream Buffet. It came out yesterday. Um, guess what, Pikmin 3? Your fruit textures have been supplanted. The best fruit Ooh. textures in video gaming are on Kirby's Dream Buffet. The hmm. biggest problem that I had with Kirby's Dream Buffet, and I don't know if this was a netcode issue or if this was just like a switch issue, is that during a few of my matches, more actually, I take that back. During every online match that I had, the frame rate would drop to like two FPS during certain segments, and I would get lost and I would fall off the edge. However, that being said, it's still really, really fun. It's so unbelievably adorable the Hmm. graphics are beautiful the food looks amazing and then there i feel like there's a super smash brothers tie in here because the master hand is like clapping for you and counting you down and it's there and there are there's a battle royale segment at the end it's just the four of you and you shoot somebody off the edge and Mm -hmm. they lose 20 strawberries and they shrink but it feels like there's some of smash brothers dna in here and you know it's 15 dollars on nintendo switch it's very very fun i'm hoping that those performance issues maybe it was just my internet i don't know i haven't played since this morning but i'm gonna try it again but other than the kirby's dream buffet i'm playing what i think might be my game of the year and that is shin chan me and the professor on summer vacation yo this is your game of the year I whoa, yeah, yeah. I love this game so much, and I've never played one of the summer vacation games. Shinchan, yeah, yeah, yes. Um, it's based on the uh, I can't remember the Japanese game, but the summer vacation is the translation. That series by um, Natsuyasumi. Yes, and it's uh Ray Barnholt who used to work at One Up, who I've always been very fond of. It's like his favorite game series, and I've read about it. through him and seen clips and i was always very interested in this game series which was on playstation one two and psp and i think there was one on playstation three but they've never you know they've always been in japanese i don't i don't speak or read any japanese but then this game got a western release for whatever reason and i love it it's so charming and it's a little bit of a departure because it is a a shinchan game first and a summer vacation game second but like god the these like hand painted anime oh, summertime backdrops. And uh Perry, you were actually surprised that I liked it so much because you're like, well, it's such a Japanese slice I of thought life. Seth, I, I was so surprised to hear that you're actually playing this game. I thought for sure I'd Love be it. the only one to play it. Maybe Kat would have stumbled into it. It's very much like it's a Japan lovers game. It's for people who love Crayon Chincha on the animation. It's pe- for people who like Boku no Natsu Yasumi and like that sort of kind of like uh, exploring the Japanese countryside, laid-back gameplay. Um, I didn't. I didn't peg this as a as a Macy game. You were way off. I have always oh wanted to play these games, and I was so excited to find out that there was an English version of this one. All the text, or excuse me, all the dialogue is in Japanese, yep. but the um, the text is in English. So, um, and I, I just absolutely love it. And I think the fact that I am I have no familiarity with with like daily 
rural Japanese life makes it more endearing to me because it makes it feel more like, oh, I am a five-year-old because I don't quite understand. I'm just wandering around and it's beautiful. And it does, it, it kind of makes you feel like a little kid during summer vacation where you're left to your own devices and it's, oh my God, I love it. I, I stopped playing Xenoblade because of this game. That's and hilarious. I love, yeah, I, gorgeous. I love it. It is so beautiful. The and backgrounds... I, you know, the yeah. backgrounds, the hand, the backgrounds are hand, all hand painted and they so absolutely wow. gorgeous. Yeah. It is like, I, I keep just taking screenshots. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on my phone. And like, it's, you know, um, I'm never when, going to, but when you play it, it's like classic Resident Evil where you exit the screen. So it switches to a new backdrop, right? Like the backdrops are not, uh, are, are not in 3D. Um, and so you, you sometimes get disoriented when you exit a screen and it shifts yeah. the camera angle a little bit. Like it's not all smooth, but yeah, this is not a cheap production. This is a very, very beautiful, um, just, just kind of weird to have this game to the, come to the West, but I'm, I'm, I'm all there with you, Seth. I'm, yeah. I started playing so this cool. and, and by the way, I'm like, I was so I Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is the Zeno, is the the first one I really got into. I'm loving this game. I think it's so awesome. But I stopped playing for a while to play this as well and we're going to luckily I'm flying to Gamescom so I've got, you know, 12 <laughs> hours on the airplane to do more more of everything. Um but yeah, if you are into Japan and you love the sound of cicada screaming and you are delighted by yeah. the prospect of finding uh, herbs like Mizuna or Shiso by the 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 riverside. Uh, this game's for you. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Going to Japan next month, so maybe I'll play this to get into the mood. Oh, you should. That's such a good idea. Oh, it's I love so it. charming. It's just it's so, so well done, and it really is. It it's designed for you know. In Japan, a lot of people have migrated to the cities and abandoned the countrysides. And there's a there are a lot of shows and movies now about that. And there, there are a lot of small, beautiful towns where the houses are falling apart. You can see this all over Japan, especially uh, in in the south. And like this is kind of like that sort of feeling of you're escaping city life. And you know, it starts off with the concept that like, oh man, you're gonna be so bored. There's nothing to do. And then it peels back the layers and there's lots of stuff to do, right? Yeah. Like Shinchan works for the newspaper. Like they're saying, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you're taking pictures of things? That's great. That's going to be the front page news. And it's literally like local boy finds, you know, asparagus. Yeah. And like, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I love that. Like I, mm -hmm. so this game popped up on my radar uh, a little bit ago when it was first showed off. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm really interested in seeing, you know, what people think of that and like whether or not like, I, I would be interested in something like that. And so it's really nice to hear that you're, you're so pumped on it because I, I would love to pick this up. It seems like such a chill game. I, it's exactly, I'm very into it. Yeah. It's so it's polished. It has the original yeah. voice actors and everything. It's, yep, it's that's great. Really well and yeah, yeah, I used there's, to watch quite a bit of Shin Chan. So. There's oh one like screen around the house that you're staying in where you just hear wind chimes. And I will occasionally mm. just run into that area and just stop and just listen to the tinkling of the wind chimes. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm talking about. This is my game cool. of the year right here. This is my Switch game of the year. Is Shin Chan me and the professor wow. on summer vacation okay. endless okay. seven day? But enough about that. Cat, what have you been playing? The exact opposite. <laughs> I've, been playing, I've been playing Madden NFL for the Xbox Series X, which is I I I do I do not think I can think of a game that is any further ref, removed from mm -hmm. uh, Cranston Shin. Um, I, I won't I won't stick with this for too long. It it is a football game. It's the first Madden to have Madden, uh, you know, John, the late John Madden on the actual cover in more than 20 years at this point. Um, 
it has this really cool opening where you're actually playing with all of these classic players like Brett Favre and, and Randy Moss and Tom Brady, who's still playing, I guess. He's not legacy yet. Um, so it's a nice little tribute to John Madden. And then the game itself is actually fun for a change. Uh, wow. I was actually kind of enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> still pretty far behind uh, many of the other sports games, but certainly better than last year, which was kind of a disaster. Um, I, uh, I'm giving it a seven uh, oh, in my no. review. And so that's that good. Be coming up, uh, this should be going up tomorrow, I think, as, as, as of the Ooh, sneak of preview podcast. of your review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sneak preview. Yeah. You heard it here first. Is that, I'm assuming because you've been reviewing it, then that's pretty much all you've been playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. uh, it's taken up all of my uh, mental energy over the past week because, um, I didn't get a code until early access started. So I was basically Ooh. binging uh, Madden over the past that. couple of days, which was, a little exhausting, yeah. but I, when I'm not playing Madden, I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which is, I don't know that it's my favorite Switch game of the year. I think that's still Kirby, but I have really been enjoying it. I'm like with Pear, like this is the first one that is really connected with me. Yeah. And I'm in chapter three at this point, and it feels like they just keep layering in systems. And now I'm discovering that I there are so many classes to unlock and so many characters yeah. to get. And... Uh, like apparently I can get these colony, liberate these colonies and everything. Mm-hmm. And it makes the world feel pretty vast. And I felt my kind of pupils dilating. And I thought to myself, Oh, oh this, this is going to be a problem. I <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot to experiment with in terms of uh, the actual classes and such. I've been in, and it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous yeah. Nintendo Switch game. So yep. I, uh, I, I think I'm going to be with this one for a while. I just took a little detour into Maddenville. <laughs> Yep, but now you need something a bit meatier. So that's a quote from the game. Yeah, I was going to say that was uh, that was a quote from the game. Yeah, Zach, the, the, the quote that pops up maybe a little bit too often, a little bit too much. I'm yeah. hoping with a patch they add a little bit more field dialogue. Look, when, um, when you but when I was the MVP. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know it. Did you see me? Yeah. Um, no, there there are lots of quotes that sound repetitive, but when when it's the height of battle, all that screaming that it becomes this cacophony and it totally works, right? Yeah. It's when you can understand what the individual characters are saying, it gets a little repetitive. Yeah. But that's okay because it's very memeable. Yeah. But- or you switch it to Japanese and then it'll be less repetitive because you can't understand it. Exactly. That's what I normally but do then anyway. You wouldn't have those terrible British accents. You know what? They're, That's also they're, true. They're growing on me. Whoa. Every... They were never terrible. It's just that they 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 felt like it felt like Noah's Ark, like, you know, there's two of every kind. It's like it was just too much, you know. <laughs> it's like you've got a you got a southern one, you got a northern one, you've got a Scottish one, you've got an Irish one. Like it was uh yeah. Uh scrappy chimney sweet. I think, yeah, I think the characters are genuinely likable and interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it sometimes gets a little daunting when you feel like you got a handle on the game and then they're like, and there's one more layer to the game system. And you're like, oh, do I have to? I think uh, it's the answer plays is out really well. You probably yeah. don't have to in a lot of No, ways. you do. Because oh. no, but you can, you know, in some cases you can also determine which player you play in, which class you want to actively uh, control and... Have the AI do some of the rest? And we could probably do a whole episode on like, mm-hmm. oh, just the headline is, oh, we like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 yeah. now. No, super, super cool. Really, it's really digging game. it. Zach, have it's you been game. playing anything that's not Xenoblade Chronicles? Yeah, I finally um, I finally got into um, 
Perry, you'll have to correct me here if I'm wrong. Live a live, live alive. I live never alive. know how to Live alive. Live alive. Um, yeah, I've been playing. I'm probably, about, game. I'm probably about five hours into that. I'm really, really enjoying that. It's like it's preservation done right. You know, like I really yes. love the idea that like it just baffles me that it exists. Like it's crazy that that game exists because it's like a niche RPG from 25 years ago and they've just decided to bring it back in such a plussed up way and like it's fun. The characters are great. The story is really fun. The, the battle mechanics are really good. I'm into that. Um, and then I'm, I also played uh, just a just a little bit, maybe an hour or two of Cult of Lamb, which I'm also into. Like that's very okay. good. Yeah. Um, uh, mostly at the behest of my boss Mary Kish, who it convinced me to play it. She really loves it, um, and I've been yeah, I've been very into. Uh, or I'm I feel like that's a game that I'll be very into. Um, so yeah, that's those are the two big ones that I've been playing recently since I've been, since I've been on the show. Um, I would say, Cat, I'm right there with you. Like Kirby is my favorite Nintendo game this year. I also loved Neon White. I played a lot, a lot of Neon White on Switch. Neon White, I forgot about that. Yeah, game. that game rules. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I've also weirdly, I've also weirdly, and I know this is a non-Nintendo game, but I've, I got back into Red Dead 2 in a major way. That was oh, a game hell that, yeah. I, that I really disparaged and was not into when I first played it. I played about five hours what? and was like, I don't like this. And now I'm like 20 hours in and I just like love it. I'm just like a real Tahiti's sad cowboy ass. out there. So I haven't made it Tahiti. there. I haven't made it that far. But yeah, I, it's yeah, that game slaps. And I've, I want to so, take this opportunity to formally apologize to the developers yes. at Rockstar for calling their game boring and stupid. So I like it's the RDR sucked. too. It's good. Yeah. It's I have over good. 100 hours in that game and I haven't yeah. even unlocked all of the map just because I, I just it. had to have some goddamn face, Zach. <laughs> I, I have so little time to actually like sit down and play games. So like choosing to play Red Dead Two in this time was maybe my dumbest decision of the year. But yeah. I've really been enjoying it. So. Oh man, no, there's, there's so much to play. I, I there are a bunch of other Switch games that came out. There's so much to play that I'm I'm definitely having to decide now whether to play something like Cult of Lamb, which you know I've I've seen it's, some people that it's it, good, dude. It's yeah? really good. Yeah, oh, man. it's really yeah. I can tell like it's gonna be it's gonna get its hooks in me for sure. That's why I think it's kind of funny that people are like, oh, there's a big game drought right now. I'm like, well, maybe not there Breath of the Wild 2 no. and all that, but yeah. there are definitely a lot of games coming out. Yeah. yeah. And if you like Zelda, I, I just started Blossom Tales 2. Which Ooh, yeah. All right. I really and like the is, original. As you know, it is linked to the past, mm-hmm. right? Um, in, in a lot of ways, like even having little chimes when you unlock secrets and stuff. And like, it's... Um, it's just too much. And Seth, you talked about Arcade Paradise. Yeah, last week. Arcade Paradise last week. Uh, I extremely addicted to doing laundry in a video <laughs> game. Same. Like I'm. I'm honestly. I mean, ignoring Xbox and PlayStation. There are a bunch of games that are waiting for me there too. Between Blossom Tale, Shinchan, Xenoblade Three, Arcade Paradise, I'm playing the Di- the Diofield Chronicle demos from from Square. Not so sure on that one yet. You know. I gotta play a little bit more. Uh, um, Horizon Chase Turbo, my favorite car racing game on the Nintendo Switch, got a free update with a new adventure mode. Like it's just way too much. So yeah, I, I'm and Live Alive is still sitting there. Somebody it's, hire me it's great. Uh, some help, some play help. Yeah, yeah, my Live Alive copy is still. I haven't even unwrapped it, and I already Aww. told. Aww. I told the story. I it arrived, and then the next day I got COVID, and I was like, no way am oh, I going wow. to. Am I going to like? have this these two things be related in my mind and unfortunately the wave of games just kept on moving and i haven't gotten back to it but i also have a plane ride to germany Um, that's it man it's not 12 hours like 10 what is it 11 and 11 and 12 hours of 
pure gameplay time unless you want to do something boring like sleep. Well, I'm on the East Coast, so it's only eight hours. Oh, for me, so. you're lucky. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, have to I'm gonna, fly. I'm probably going to Xenoblade that flight. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna sleep the whole. Flight. Too bad, Xenoblade man drains <laughs> your battery so. Oh fast. really? You yeah, you gotta have uh, because of the 3D graphics and everything. Okay. Uh, you gotta have your plug or battery pack. I have you. the chonkiest battery pack that just seems to last forever. So I'm I'm bringing Remember, that with Ger- me. Germany's very strict on uh, uh, on 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 those. There's a max amp that you can bring out. Oh really? Well, don't um, put it into your suitcase. Only your carry. No, no, no. I know that you do not put lithium uh, ion, ion batteries, batteries in your suitcase. You have to check them. You can't. Or you yeah, have last to bring time them. I came you can't back. Check them. Last time I, I went back to Germany, they're like they looked at the exact amp on on my on my battery charger. Did they bring out like a, a jeweler's? Yeah, and uh, she told me what the max was. I'm like, yeah, but that's what I have, right? She's like, yeah, you're fine. Well, now I have to look it up because I don't. Mm-hmm. That thing is, I, I I love it very much. Yeah, don't. Do you have like a suitcase sized one? No, 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 no. It's 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 uh, roughly the size of a a pencil case. So okay, yeah, that that seems fine. Yeah, you know, something the kids can relate to a pencil case. It's like I think fourteen four or something is the max. I have to look it up. Shoot! All right, well now I have to go to Walmart right after the show. Which hey, speaking of right after the show, this is the end of the show. I'm sorry we've run out of time. (laughs) Yeah, just like that, Zach. I got my segues down pat. I'm, uh, I've got lots of practice now, but please follow us on Twitter at NBC Podcast. Join the conversation, have a good time, meet people who are also into Nintendo and NBC on the official, unofficial NBC Facebook group. Um, there's a lot of us on there. We're, we're all active in one way or another. I'll occasionally see Cat, and I'm like, oh my God, Cat has Facebook. That's, that's so interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm in there all the time because sometimes I just get bored and I want to talk about Nintendo stuff, but please join that group. That's also where you can submit your questions for question block. I want to thank Kate today on the ones and the twos. Most of all, I want to say thank. Oh wait, Zach. I want to thank you for being our guest coming back, sitting in the froggy chair. Zach, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Twitter on Zacharias D, uh, at Zacharias D. Uh, you can find me on twitch.tv slash twitch the last Thursday of every month where I host Patch Notes, which is uh, our monthly sort of update show. Um, and then also you can find me if you're going to TwitchCon San Diego. I'll be down there running the Glitch Theater. Um, oh, nice. Tune in Tune in uh, mm. uh, October 7th, 8th, and 9th. We have just like a ton of programming coming down on slash Twitch. That's going to be really fun. A lot of cool creators doing cool stuff. So Hey, uh, that's uh, my birthday weekend. So uh, I'll be Come on down that. to San Diego. We'll party. Oh, come on down. There Let's do go. it. Sounds yeah. like a plan. I want to thank you all for listening to us. We appreciate you so much. And most of all, remember, don't ever forget. NBC is the only place where you can... Get, get the, the thing. thing. Get the thing. You get did it without me. The thing. Woo-hoo. Get rolling, eating, and growing. Kirby's Dream Buffet. One day, the Dream Fork suddenly shrinks Kirby. To enjoy this world of sweets to the fullest, Kirby gets rolling into a competition. Up to four players can play together, eat the most strawberries across three game types, and aim to become the biggest Kirby. The first game type is 
race. Eat strawberries scattered throughout the stage, and Kirby will grow. The bigger your Kirby is, the more strength you'll have. The key to tasting victory? Copy food abilities. Eating these will give Kirby palatable powers. Sweep up oodles of strawberries with Tornado. Or easily slip through walls with Jelly. Use them at the right time to cream the competition. Reach the goal first, and you'll have a mountain of strawberries all to yourself. The second game type is Minigame. Eat as many strawberries as you can before time is up. Strawberries might fall from above or be hidden in boxes. Who knows where they'll appear? Try to get as many as you can. Finally, put your strawberries on the line in the final showdown, Battle Royale. If you knock opponents on the stage, you might be able to steal all of their strawberries. Use copy food abilities exclusive to Battle Royale, like Drill and Stone, and aim for a huge haul. In the end, the biggest Kirby will be crowned the winner. Earn different rewards based on the number of strawberries eaten. Costumes can change Kirby's appearance. You can also select color variations and play with your preferred Kirby. Collect character treats featuring characters from across the Kirby series and use them as the pedestal at the starting line. Additionally, more stages can be played depending on how many strawberries you have overall. Pass a Joy-Con controller to a friend for two-player local co-op. Play local wireless mode in a four-player gourmet festival. Or compete in mouth-watering matches online with up to four players around the world. A smorgasbord of sweetness awaits. Which Kirby will take the cake? Kirby's Dream Buffet. Available August 17th only on Nintendo Switch.